Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning. It's Monday, February 10th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Connor Taft. I'm joined by Trey Scott. And Trey, if you thought it was safe to delete your flight tracker apps off your phone, think again, because there's one open Power 5 vacancy that's got the coaching carousel internet sleuths working overtime as we sit here recording on Sunday evening. It feels like a lot longer than one week ago that we were jumping in the uh, the podcast studio in the office to record an emergency Mark D'Antonio retires podcast. But we did that last week. After 13 years and 115 wins at Michigan State, he's out. And the search has continued. It's kind of been a weird search, a quiet one that's really gotten loud this weekend. Per multiple reports, Cincinnati's Luke Fickle is the front runner to re- replace D'Antonio. And yeah, you mentioned those plane tracking sleuths and some boots on the ground reporters at the airport. They're all contributing reporting on Sunday that Michigan State AD Bill Beekman landed in Cincinnati on Saturday night and left Sunday mid-morning after interviewing Fickle, flying straight back to Lansing. This kind of uncertain where we're going next here, but Brandon Seho of NBC affiliate WLWT in Cincinnati reported that Fickle's interview with Michigan State was on Sunday and that he's expected to come to a decision by Monday or Tuesday. And then get this, those plane tracking sleuths, they they deduced that Beekman's plane was originally slated to fly to Happy Valley Mm. after Cincinnati on Sunday, where perhaps they were eyeing Penn State defensive coordinator Brent Pry. But that leg of the trip did not end up happening so that seems like a good omen for how Michigan State's meeting with Fickle went. Fickle is a 46-year-old Ohio State alum, 26-13 and 13 in three seasons at Cincinnati, and just signed the AAC's number one ranked recruiting class. Yeah, you know, I think Fickle has a really compelling story that he would be able to tell Michigan State fans at the press conference if he does indeed end up being the the, the guy that, that they want and that being the school that Fickle wants, you know, he's, he's worked under Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer, two of the century's most successful Big Ten head coaches. And in just three years, he's rebuilt a Cincinnati program that had fallen into serious disrepair under Tommy Tuberville. And, you know, past couple seasons, he's had them competing for a, the AAC title and spot in New Year's Six Bowl this past year. Uh, they were in it until the end, and they end up not winning the conference and being the highest ranked uh, non-power five team, but uh, if if you're if you put the Bearcats and the Spartans in head-to-head matchup, either of the past two seasons, there's I would think at least a fifty-fifty chance that Cincinnati would have been able to come out the winner in either one of those hypothetical contests. So while he'd be working with a resource disadvantage at Michigan State compared to Michigan, compared to Ohio State, compared to Penn State, he's definitely going to be in a better position than he was at Cincinnati. Yeah, I think this would be a home run hire. To the point where a lot of people have said, why would Fickle take this job? He could be 
candidate number one next year for any other opening. So Michigan State, if they can pull this, that'd be awesome. And it it seems like he is indeed the front runner, but this has been an, a unique coaching search in that while Fickle is a front runner and while we're still waiting on word from him as of Sunday evening, many others have said no to like, I don't know what they've said no to, but I don't know if they said no to offers or interview requests or just speculation or whatever. Pat Narduzzi was an obvious link. He was a fantastic defensive coordinator under D'Antonio. He used that famous Leo DiCaprio clip from, from Wolf of Wall Street on Twitter to say he's staying at Pitt. Of course, if you've seen the movie, uh, you know that it's not that easy. <laughs> I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> Mel Tucker, Colorado's Mel Tucker, he apparently also interviewed for this job on Saturday, but he tweeted he'd be staying in, in Boulder. The Des Moines Register said that Iowa State's Matt Campbell, quote, unquote, rebuffed the Spartans, and then San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala declined an interview request. So... Michigan State's heard a lot of no's, but they could still get the yes from who reportedly they want the most. Yeah, you know, Pat Narduzzi, not the first college coach to use that Wolf of Wall Street clip to announce he's staying. I'm sure he won't be the last. And as you alluded to, kind of wonder if maybe it's been it's been seven years since that movie came out, which is kind of wild to think about. But maybe some of these coaches need a refresher on what happened after uh, he announced the decision to come back because it did not go so great for Leonardo DiCaprio from that moment in time on. Let's take a quick break and on the other side, we'll hit the return of the XFL and how that impacts the college game, some upcoming jail time for former Ohio State wide receivers coach Zach Smith, and another piece of positive Jordan Birch news for South Carolina fans. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the College Football Daily. The XFL made its return this weekend after 19 years away. While it's always nice to have more football around, we are the College Football Daily and not the XFL Daily. So our primary interest here is the potential influence the XFL might have on the college game if it proves more successful than XFL 1.0 or the Alliance of American Football that started up in 2019 and ran out of money before they even made it to the end of the first season. The biggest structural and economic threat potentially posed by the XFL is the possibility that the XFL could go after college players not yet three years out of high school and thus not eligible for the NFL draft. 
Though Commissioner Oliver Luck has left that door open in his public comments on the issue, that's not the approach that we've seen the XFL go with, at least so far for this season. Instead, most of the big changes people are talking about today are some of the different approaches the XFL is taking to tweaking the in-game rules. And the one I've seen the most buzz about in particular is the kickoffs. The NFL and college have made a lot of tweaks to their own rules on kickoffs in recent years, but there's concern that these changes, while unquestionably a boon to player safety, have rendered the kickoff and the kickoff return functionally obsolete. So on the XFL kickoffs, it's uh, really interesting and jarring to watch just visually because it's so different to what our brains have become accustomed to over decades and decades of watching uh, uh, kickoff uh, return teams and coverage team line up in a particular way. It's very different in the XFL. The kicker lines up 35 yards behind his coverage team, and the return team is just five yards away from the coverage team. Neither group of players is allowed to move until the returner catches the ball with the hope of minimizing some of the high-speed collisions that you get when you have players lining up 40 yards apart from each other and then sprinting toward each other at high speed. The, the XFL rules... In this part I thought was really interesting is they're not just interested in promoting safety. They are, but they're also really genuinely want to bring the kickoff back. So what they've done is they've disincentivized touchbacks and squib kicks, really encouraging kicking teams to put the ball in play and increasing the odds that you'll actually get a return. The XFL rules, touchbacks come out to the 35 and kicks that fall short of the 20 come all the way out to the 45. So if you're an XFL kicker, strong incentive to land the ball somewhere between the the end zone and the 20 and not just knock it out of play as we've seen so often uh, kind of be what happens in the college game now. I like it. I think how many times you watch college football or the NFL now and you're like, why do we even have a kickoff? It's It seems pointless. So I like what the XFL is doing. You either make it an exciting play and, and a safe one at that, or I, I think college football especially would maybe be smart just to, to eliminate the kickoff, as weird as that is to say. Uh, second, I, I like the XFL. I don't know. Uh, how much you might have watched it this weekend. I watched a little bit both days, and it's not only fun to watch some college football stars like Cardale Jones on Saturday played pretty well, but I I think this is going to work, and I think it will be interesting to see moving forward if there is a market for college players, as Oliver Luck has mentioned. I don't think they're going to like ever lure Trevor Lawrence out of college early or anything like that, but I think it probably will happen at some point eventually. So going to be interesting to see that going forward. Yeah, maybe maybe the more likely scenario is that some of the, you know, more marginal players who maybe aren't at the Trevor Lawrence level but could have a potential future in pro ball but aren't like clearly if they just stay the course going to make millions and millions and millions going to the NFL, uh maybe if they're, you know, a player that you know, maybe they'll get drafted. Maybe they'll be an unsigned free agent if they stick around another year. Maybe that's the kind of player who in the long run makes sense to take a look at the XFL instead of coming back for a final year of eligibility. Uh, who knows at this point? Who knows what the XFL is, what their approach and strategy is going to be to that. It seems like for this year, they've gone a little bit more conservative in the type of players that they've they've added to the league. And maybe that gives them a little bit more staying power, at least to get through the the end of a season like the uh, AAF was not able to. 
Former Ohio State assistant coach Zach Smith will serve 20 days in jail and pay a $750 fine for violating a civil protection order from last year. Smith was found guilty of a first-degree misdemeanor in December following a May 9th arrest for that violation of a civil protection order. And what happened was he got into an altercation at an elementary school where he was trying to pick up his children, but he was not supposed to be there because his ex-wife, Courtney Smith, was also there. Everybody knows who Zach Smith is. He was Ohio State's wide receivers coach from 2012 to 2018. He was fired in 2018 following very troubling domestic violence allegations. The fallout of that obviously included Urban Meyer and Gene Smith being suspended for mishandling those allegations. And the fallout also might be the continued impact on Urban Meyer's legacy and potential hireability elsewhere. On Friday's podcast, we detailed the uncertain six-week journey between five-star defensive tackle Jordan Burge's public commitment to South Carolina and the moment last Thursday night when his national letter of intent was finally received by the Gamecocks. Burch's commitment is a massive win for Will Muschamp at a time when he desperately needed it, and it could end up being good news for the Gamecock basketball team as well. After the USC men's basketball team defeated Texas A&M on Saturday, Frank Martin said that playing both sports at South Carolina was part of Birch's recruitment, and that the possibility of contributing to the basketball team remained open. Yeah, he, he, Will recruited him, not me, but I've spent a lot of time watching him play basketball over the last four years. He's a really good player, you know. Uh, uh, the, that option was part of the recruitment is on the table for him, and uh, I think you guys know me by now. I like football guys, so, uh, but it, it takes certain human beings to be able to do it because it's not easy. Uh, so, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, – wait, is this papers in already? So, so I can actually – I can actually – I can say his name. I love that, by the way. I, I love that. We don't see that very much anymore in college, college football and college basketball, but it, it used to be a little bit more common. I want – Connor, do you think that's something that's actually going to happen? Like, did we even – was that on the radar of Jordan Birch's recruitment that he might want to play basketball? Well, I as we got into uh, the details of it on the, on the podcast on Friday with J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur, I mean, so much of Jordan Birch's re- recruitment was pretty opaque from the standpoint that not much information was coming out of the uh, from the player. I, I think this is the uh, Frank Martin was not actively recruiting Jordan Birch. That was all happening through the football team. Um, so uh, this is the first. Certainly, I've learned of it. This is something we've seen South Carolina do in the past, uh, uh, particularly in the Frank Martin era. Frank Martin likes football players. Um, I. The, the first, the most famous instance is actually before Frank Martin became South Carolina's head coach, a wide receiver, Bruce Ellington, originally uh, uh, recruited to South Carolina as a basketball player. Then under Steve Spurrier was allowed to join the football team and actually ended up being one of South Carolina's uh, best receivers. Um, and But ultimately, it seems like what ends up happen is happening is eventually one of the two sports wins out. I can't think of an example where a player successfully throughout his career is able to sustain participation in both of them. It seems like eventually they kind of lean one way or the other right now, given Birch's, uh, you know, the ceiling 24 seven sports certainly thinks he has as a football player, given his five-star rating. I, my money would be that football eventually wins out, whether that's after one season, two seasons, or he never takes the basketball court at all. I honestly right now have no idea. 
Do you remember Riley Cooper, the former Florida Gator receiver? He was a really good baseball player uh, mm. for, for the Gators too. So I don't know if he went the distance there, but he's kind of my most recent recollection of a two-way star in the SEC. Hey, Felipe Franks, like getting drafted by the Red Sox or whatever, despite not even actually playing baseball for the Gators. So um, who knows? Uh, who knows how this stuff will go? It's a, a lot to manage. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. I know if you listen to podcasts like ours, or unlike ours, um, uh, you hear that uh, call to action quite a bit. It's not just hollow words. Apple Podcasts and their ratings have a lot of control over how visible we are when people are searching for college football podcasts. So if you think we're doing a good job and you'd like more people to know about us, please go leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review. Uh, Let us know what we're doing well. Uh, For Trey Scott and our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. CBS Sunday. After the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.